Welcome to the Enchanted Library, where we turn the pages of books, beautiful and old, living and magical. It's time to curl up, get cozy, and join us on an adventure. Today we're reading from Redwood Pioneer by Betty Sterling. Chapter 12. The Little Irish Rose. Mikey woke up with a start. He lay very quietly, wondering what had awakened him. He could see through the window in the loft that the sky was still dark. Pat and Tom were both sleeping. Then he heard the quiet talking of Martha and Pa downstairs, and a murmur from Ma. Ma hadn't been feeling well in the evening. Pa had moved the trundle bed into the girls' room so that the little fellows wouldn't disturb her. Martha had served supper, and Ma hadn't even got out of bed to eat. Mikey slipped out of bed and tiptoed to the opening in the loft floor. He looked down to the front room below. He couldn't see anyone, but he knew they were moving about from the flickering shadows he could see on the floor. He heard an uncertain little cry, then a stronger wail. The new baby. Ma sighed, and Mikey heard Pa kiss her. He could hear Martha saying a little prayer, too. He wanted to go down, but he knew Pa wouldn't like it. He tiptoed back to bed and tried to sleep. He could hardly wait until morning to find out if the new baby was a boy or girl. But it didn't really matter. He wouldn't be the middle one anymore. Maybe Pa would call him one of the big boys, as he did Tom and Pat. He dropped off to sleep for a little while. When he woke again, the little piece of sky in the loft window was gray. He could hear soft footsteps down below. He crept out of bed and dressed without waking Pat or Tom. Probably Pat wouldn't be interested anyway. There had been six new babies since he was born, and this made seven. Mikey went down the ladder without making a sound. The front room was dark, but he could tell Ma was asleep. He went into the kitchen. A candle was burning on the table. Mikey could smell the pot of coffee Pa had. Pa didn't have coffee often, because they hadn't brought much from Santa Cruz. But Pa must have thought this was a special occasion. Martha had her head down on her arms on the table. Mikey thought she was asleep. The redwood cradle Pa had carved was standing by the table. All Mikey could see in it was the patchwork quilt Martha had made. Then Mikey stepped on the floorboard that always squeaked. Pa turned. He smiled wearily at Mikey and beckoned him to come over. Mikey tiptoed over to the table. Is it a boy or girl, he whispered. A girl, said Pa, grinning. Martha raised her head and looked at Mikey. She turned the little quilt back so Mikey could see the baby's face. It was even redder than the redwood cradle. Mikey didn't remember that Liam and Sean had been so red when they were born, and he couldn't remember about Mary at all. Maybe little girls were supposed to be redder than baby boys. Martha smiled at the puzzled look on his face. Babies are supposed to be red, she said. Mikey took the milk pails and stepped out into the mist. He would surprise the family this morning and milk both cows before Tom could get out to do his share. Mikey was going to prove he was one of the big ones now. Everyone was awake when he returned to the house a while later with the two heavy pails of warm milk. Even the baby had her cloudy blue eyes wide open. Pa had set the cradle beside Ma's bed. What will her name be, Mikey asked, as he joined the others around the cradle. Let's name her, Mary began. Not Redwood, Pat interrupted. You named the calf that. The others laughed. 
I wasn't going to say that, Mary pouted. And besides, Martha said, Ma and Pa will name her. She is to be named Rosie, said Pa, after my wild Irish rose. He smiled fondly at Ma. Mikey thought Ma looked pretty, propped up on the pillow with her hair in two long, shiny black braids. Mary clapped her hands. Rosie is a wonderful name. She's a real wilderness baby, said Mikey. Ma smiled. You were a wilderness baby too, Mikey. Not a Redwoods baby, though. But ten years ago, almost ten, when you were born, the potato country was all wild, with clumps of redwoods and oaks and cottonwoods instead of potato fields. And there wasn't any railroad to Santa Cruz, said Tom. Santa Cruz wasn't even the town, said Pat. I remember it. It was only a muddy little village, and half the people in it spoke Spanish. Almost half, anyway, said Martha. Why, the Civil War was going on when Mikey was born. And there wasn't any railroad to join California with the East, said Pat. Everyone had to come by boat around the Horn, as we did. Mikey's eyes opened wide. He had almost forgotten the stories that Pat used to tell him about the long, long boat trip from the East. Pat hadn't been very old when he made the voyage, and Martha and Tom were hardly more than babies. And now that he tried to remember, he could faintly recall the stories Ma used to tell of the voyage she and Pa had made from Ireland to the United States, even before Pat was born. It seemed to Mikey that Pa must have always been moving his family to keep in wilderness. As fast as he settled in one place, other families would settle around him. Then he would pack up and move on. Ma said their year in the potato countries were the longest they had ever lived in one place. Sean and Liam had been watching the baby without saying a word. Their big blue eyes followed every aimless move the tiny hands made. Then Rosie began to cry. Her hands stiffened, her face wrinkled, her mouth opened wide, and she was redder than ever. Sean covered his ears with his hands. There was a pained expression on his face. Why does she cry so loud? he asked. Pat laughed. You did better than that, my boy. Sean stared at him. Me? Cry that loud? Indeed you did, Pat assured him. I wanted a brother, said Liam. Not another sister to boss me like Mary does. You have lots of brothers, said Mary. Martha and I needed another girl in the family. Martha was holding the baby over her shoulder, patting her gently. She had stopped crying, and one hand had caught on Martha's thick braid. She's hungry, said Martha. So am I, said Sean. Me too, said Liam. All of you shoo into the kitchen, said Pa. We'll have our breakfast, and Ma can give Rosie her breakfast too. Chapter 13. Mikey's Caterpillar Mikey walked through the front room into the kitchen, after taking a peek at Rosie in her cradle. Ma was busy making a stew. Sean and Liam were standing up on benches watching, and Mary was snitching the bits of venison and vegetables that spilled outside the kettle. Ma, Mikey began, do you have a jar or something I could keep this caterpillar in? He opened his hand a crack and showed her the wiggling gray and blue caterpillar. Ma dropped her paring knife. Oh dear, said Martha. What next? Ma frowned at her. It's a beautiful caterpillar, she said. Keep it away from the stew, though. She searched in the pantry and finally brought out a glass jar with a cracked top. Thanks, Ma, said Mikey. Give it to me quick. He's trying to crawl up my sleeve. He gently lowered the caterpillar into the jar. Isn't it nice? asked Sean. It's nice, echoed Liam. He put his chubby hand into the jar to pet the fuzzy back. 
Don't, said Mikey. You'll squash it. I won't, said Liam indignantly. I like it. I'm going to keep it on the table in the front room, said Mikey. I want to watch it grow. Suppose it gets out and crawls into the baby's cradle, Ma asked. Please keep it in my room, begged Mary. I'll let you watch it whenever you want to. Mikey looked at Martha to see what she thought. After all, the room belonged to her as much as to Mary. All right, said Martha, but it had better not get into our bed. I don't want Rosie to eat my caterpillar, said Mikey, so I think I'll put it in Mary's room. He marched into Mary's room, followed by Mary, Sean, and Liam. He put the jar on the tiny table in the room, and then they all stood around the table. The caterpillar crawled around and around. What are you going to name him? asked Mary. That's all you ever think of, said Mikey. You named the calf and the creek, and you wanted to name the baby. Name him Liam, said Liam. Oh, no, said Mikey. He doesn't look like you. He's fuzzy and blue and gray. Liam is fuzzy-haired and blue-eyed, said Mary. But he isn't gray, said Mikey, and he runs instead of wriggling. I know. Mary clapped her hands and danced a jig. Call him Wrigley. Oh, all right, said Mikey. You would be the one to name him. Ma, I'm going to name my caterpillar Wrigley. Ma came to the door of the room. That's a nice name. Are you really going to keep him? Of course, said Mikey. What does he eat? Ma sighed. The garden, mostly. Where did you find him? On the tiger lilies out by the creek. Mikey dashed out the front door and down to the creek. He grabbed some lily leaves and ran back to the caterpillar. Mikey dropped a few of the leaves on top of the caterpillar. He wriggled out from under them and began eating fast. His mouth wriggles, said Mikey. He put his face close to the jar and squinted at the caterpillar. Don't be so snoopy, said Mary. Don't you think he likes to eat in peace? The whole family watches me eat, said Mikey. Ma watches to see that I chew with my mouth closed, and Pa to see if I cut up my food, and Martha to see if my hands are clean, and Pat to see that I don't eat too much and not leave any for him, and Tom to see that I eat with the fork instead of the spoon, and he stopped, out of breath. And all the little ones watch so they can copy you, finished Martha laughing. You should put sand in the jar with the caterpillar, said Ma. I'll get sand, said Liam. Before Mikey could stop him, he had run to the creek and come back with both fists full of sand. He dumped it right on top of the caterpillar. Liam, you naughty boy, exclaimed Mikey. You'll smother him. He dumped the caterpillar and the sand out onto the table. Wrigley wriggled out onto the sand. Mikey put the sand in the jar and then put the caterpillar and the leaves in. Every spare minute the next few days, Mikey watched the caterpillar. Pat had told him that caterpillars shed their skins, and he wanted to see for himself how they had done it. The caterpillar had eaten so much that he looked as if he would pop. Suddenly, his furry coat did pop. Ma, shouted Mikey, Mary, Sean, Liam. They all ran in quickly. He's shedding his skin, said Mikey. Poor caterpillar, said Liam. He'll be dead. He's supposed to shed his skin, said Mikey. Isn't he, Ma? Yes, said Ma. And sometimes I wish all of you could shed your clothes and grow new ones, too. She looked at Mikey's pants that hardly reached to his ankles now. Soon, the caterpillar had shed his blue and gray coat and had a new brown and black one. He is prettier than he was before, Mary said, when the caterpillar was dry and fuzzy again. One day, Mikey came in to bring some fresh leaves to the caterpillar. It was gone. 
Ma, shouted Mikey, the caterpillar's gone. Oh dear, said Ma, I suppose it is in the baby's cradle. She tearfully turned back each cover, but the caterpillar wasn't there. Mikey stood in the middle of Mary's room. He wondered if Liam had taken the caterpillar. Why don't you look for it, asked Ma. Mikey leaned over and looked under Mary and Martha's bed. The caterpillar wasn't there. The others put their heads down on the floor, too. They couldn't see the caterpillar, either. Ma didn't put her head down on the floor. She said she didn't feel like leaning over that far. She began looking on Mary and Martha's bed. Right in the middle, on a brown and white nine patch, was Wrigley, curled up, sound asleep. Mikey put the caterpillar back in the jar and gave him the leaves. Now, Mikey, said Ma, if you don't keep that jar covered, you'll have to take Wrigley away. I'll be more careful, Ma, Mikey promised. He didn't want to lose his most precious caterpillar. It was almost the best treasure he had next to his shells and his rocks and cones and burls and polished bits of redwood, his tan oak acorns and pictures and the little king snake in the redwood cage under his bed. The next day, while Mikey watched, the caterpillar began spinning a cocoon on one of the leaves. Soon he had a silky cocoon all around himself and he settled down for a long sleep. Mikey put the jar in the loft under his bed. Every day he looked at Wrigley. A week later, the cocoon was beginning to wriggle again. Ma, Mary, Sean, Liam, shouted Mikey, dashing down the ladder. The cocoon is waking up. And so is the baby, said Ma, as Rosie began to cry. Can't you be quieter in the cabin, Mikey? I'll try, said Mikey. He really was sorry he had awakened the baby. He put the jar on the kitchen table, and even Martha sat down to watch the caterpillar. The cocoon wriggled and split. At last, Wrigley began to push out the end of the cocoon. He crept out and clung to the leaf. He isn't a caterpillar anymore, said Mikey. He's a butterfly. Liam clapped his hands gleefully. He has white swings with black spots, said Mary. We should call him Spotty now. Mikey didn't pay any attention. He was thinking about catching some more caterpillars to see if he could raise some other butterflies before the rainy weather began. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and share our podcast with a friend. Visit our website at www.enchantedlibrary.net to see our past books or to connect with us on Facebook. If you'd like to support the work we do, you can visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash enchantedlibrary. We appreciate your support. Until next time, friends, happy reading.